listening to Mastering Retention, presented by UserWise. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Mastering Retention podcast today. Um, today, I'm actually joined by Jonas Antonsen. Um, Jonas, would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you for having me on the podcast, and uh, uh, I, I hope it'll be fun. Uh, so, yeah, my background is uh, uh, I've been in the games industry for it's closing in on two, two decades, which uh, I guess I'm dating myself just by saying that even, uh, which is horrible. But um, yeah, so I've been doing this for a long time. I started out on on the development side, so I ran a development studio, uh, established and ran a development studio for about uh, eight years. Uh, I've done consulting work, work for boards and and executive teams, and then uh, I've uh, uh, you know built a few companies, both large and small. And the latest one is a company called Raw Fury, which is an indie publisher uh, run out of Stockholm in Sweden. And I've been doing that for the last uh, five and a half years. Awesome. Well, that is super exciting. I haven't been in the games industry for two decades, but I have been a gamer for almost two decades. I remember the the first game I ever got into was, it was like a Johnny Quest game on the, the PC. Um, mm. I, I one time went back and tried to play it. And I have no idea how my like 10 year old self was able to beat that game. It was super challenging, <laughs> but I got through it. It was, it was fun, fun experience and it got me into gaming for sure. Yeah. I've, 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 I've had those moments. I've, uh, I, I, I played a lot of, uh, uh, you know, I've, 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 I've played everything. I started playing mm-hmm. games when, uh, you know, back in the, back in the eighties, which, uh, again, dating myself, horrible. Um, <laughs> But I, I've kind of, you know, grown up with games and played everything. But, you know, I've, I've returned to some of the games I used to play, some of the point-and-click point adventures. You know, um, a game that comes to mind is a game called Grim Tango. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. it took me... You know, I, there were moments where I, 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 I was kind of wondering, like, okay, who was I back then? How, how, how could I solve these, uh, <laughs> these puzzles? Uh, because, you know, before you could get clues easily or just google shit right so yeah I've, I've, I've had that happen as well oh yeah i remember the days you know back when you'd actually have to purchase the like guide and it would be like you know super thick when you have to like go through and then find your way through the dungeon and stuff yeah pre pre-internet gaming was was something else for sure yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and uh, or or sharing uh sharing information that was uh, uh, so-and-so and and, like cryptic and, and, uh, and and some of it like, uh, you know, stooped in lore, uh, gone through multiple uh, turns of playing telephone with, you know, friends and friends of friends, uh, you know, sharing these stories in the cafeteria at your school and then going home and trying to figure out like what was, what was right and what was wrong. Cheat codes on the, brilliant, brilliant times. Oh man, I miss those times. Oh man. So Jonas, what gets you out of bed every day and encourages you to continue to work? Well, you know, aside from my, aside from my kids, which is probably the biggest reason I, I, I get out of bed every morning. Uh, uh, what excites me is that, you know, this is a, um, Obviously, like you know, I'm 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 like many others that are in this industry. I'm I'm here because 
I'm excited by games and, and game development and, and the, the, the process of making them. Uh, and, and on a deeper level, I, I, I actually think, uh, you know, games like any other creative medium are an art form or they have the ability to be art. Uh, so just like mu music, movies, you know, books, the written word, right? Uh, classical art, uh, uh, et cetera. Uh, but there's a duality to it. So just like, you know, if you take the written word, uh, it can be very functional. You can write a, a, a manual for a, like a refrigerator, right? Yeah. And you'd be hard pressed calling that a piece of art, right? Because it's a functional <laughs> manual. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, some of the most amazing pieces of art that we, we have are, are books that, that have carried, uh, uh, you know, thoughts uh, throughout millennia. So, and, and it's a it's a form of telepathy, really, right? Yeah. So, someone someone um, thousands of years ago could put down words to paper, right? That we still can understand and relate to, uh, relate with today, which is uh, incredible, right? You're taking you're taking something deep and uh, intricately human and carrying it through the ages and through generations. And, and for me, games have an aspect of that. They have, uh, um, let's say, a shorter time to hit. Uh, I think the written word has the, like the, the biggest time span. Uh, music, classical art have a long time span as well. Uh, but then you get to... Uh, movies and games, they have a shorter time span to, to hit, uh, but they are, uh, they are nonetheless very important as mediums for art. And just like uh, the, you have this duality with the written word, you have the duality with, with uh, games that they can both be uh, their, their entertainment, but they can also carry a deeper meaning mm -hmm. to them. And that's what interests me is that I, I truly believe games matter. And, and I would say that, you know, for me growing up, uh, the reason I learned to read, write, and ultimately, ultimately speak English was because of games. Mm. Uh, the reason why I became uh, uh, what uh, Jane McGonagall called a positive problem solver was because of games, because, you know, you, you're taught uh, repeatedly you're taught to like, you know, you fail and you try again and you fail and you try again <laughs> until you finally figure out a way to make, you know, to, 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 to succeed. Uh, and that's, you know, that's the core, that's at the core of any entrepreneur. And I've, I've, I've really taken this, this kind of positive mindset and view with me uh, as I've grown older and it's become very much a core of me. And, and this is, I would say, because of, of, of games, uh, and, you know, games of, of um, I could, uh, and again, like, you know, you, everybody, or most people can relate to, you know, you can ask the question, is there a song that you remember listening to and it just, it changed your way of thinking, your life. It, it means something so deep to you that anytime you hear it, you get sucked into that moment again, right? And you can ask the same question about uh, movies, for example, or a book. And I think that the question applies as well to to games, like any other art form, uh, mm -hmm. especially for people that that you know enjoy them on that level. Uh, and I certainly do. And that that gets me up. Uh, that's that's why I I love this industry. And I I, I realized many years ago that that it was also my time to kind of 
uh, move away from being the creator or the designer of games and 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 kind of uh, leverage more my experience uh, towards helping uh, new creators that are coming up, uh, new talents and and, and voices, and, and like helping them reach an audience. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense, and that actually kind of leads into the question that was churning around in my mind. So you know, obviously, a game could kind of become this art form that you know could be u- utilized. Um, you know, let's say I am either working on a game or I want to go start a studio and, and create a game to, you know, achieve something like this to deliver to people. Like what kind of advice would you have for me? Well, that's a good one, right? I, I, especially I think nowadays, because I think more and more people are realizing that, you know, games are, uh, you know, there's also an industry around them, right? And that that kind of puts it a little bit apart as well. That like, uh, you know, games are are very industrialized, uh, and even more so than 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 music, for instance. And and you know, we took we took over Hollywood a long time ago. Uh, there's a lot of money uh, in in the games industry, uh, but I would still say that that if your primary motivation is is chasing money and uh, going into the games industry for that, you're you're probably, uh, you know, I, I try my luck elsewhere because it's also still <laughs> a really really difficult industry. It's difficult to get into. It's difficult to uh, really grasp and understand. It's it, it's constantly moving and it's it's tough. It's tough to to uh, get noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, I think the, the advice is, you know, you have to you have to have this as a, a, a passion. You have to be willing to just like, uh, yeah, you know, you, you need to have a certain amount of, of grit, I think. But I don't want to oversell that because it's also very important that, that the industry stays or becomes more healthy uh, in terms of work-life balance and, and, and things like that. Uh, you know, that's that's incredibly important. But um, I don't know. I, I think I think my biggest advice would be to, you know, it's also a small industry. Be a nice human being. Be be nice to the people around you. Uh, uh, you know, even if you start to get some success and traction, keep that in mind and be humble because yep. you know it, this is an ever changing industry. And and you know you can go up one day and you'll go down the next day, mm-hmm. and you never know who you're passing. Uh, in, in either direction you move. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Um, burnout is a good topic. Um, you know, especially, I know you've got some experience on like the mobile side of games where they're, you know, really heavily into like the live ops, you know, live game type services. Um, and, you know, when you're doing the pushing events, you know, every day, every week, every month, you know, I know it can get very repetitive, but there's also a lot. And I feel like, um, you know, gaming people, especially live ops people are like, you're basically on 24 seven because you never know when your game is going to go down at like 3am or, you know, something's going to break on a Thanksgiving or Christmas day kind of a thing. Um, what do you do with your team to kind of combat some of the the risks of burnout when working on games? Mm-hmm. Well, I stepped away from those games, basically. <laughs> uh, uh, no, because I mean, uh, again, uh, if we look at like what is a game, right? I, my my primary interest and motivation are games that that have some sort of art- artistic 
value to them. And, and sadly, most games, uh, and, and if you look at the mobile space and games as services or, or free to play, right? Most, I'm not saying all of them, but most of them are not like, they're not driven by those factors. They're driven uh, as, as uh, 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 some uh, wedge between entertainment and and uh, a gotcha machine, right? Or or mm. or or yeah, or a way to to get you uh, to to uh, invest literally, invest emotionally and financially <laughs> in yep. the experience. Uh, so it becomes very mechanical and very very um, very much reliant on on you know analytics and and, and data. Uh, and I think that. That also can foster burnout to an extent because, you know, I, I think people crave meaning in, right. in what they do and in their lives. And I think that, that, sure, you can have people that are passionate about data analytics and thrive in that sort of environment. But I'd, I'd say that many of, of, of those who, who are running those games and operations, they, they don't burn for what they've created. You know that's not that's not what they uh, find meaning in. So you need to find that meaning then in your personal life, which means that you need a good balance between that and and uh, uh, and your work. And I think then you get to the point of like you know I, I you know luckily enough like in the Nordics. Um, Businesses aren't allowed to, uh, you, you know, there are, there are pretty strict rules in terms of what you can and cannot do uh, uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, what's required of your employees or how you treat people in general. And I think that's a very good thing. I think uh, businesses need a, kind of a strict framework around that because uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's up to the people that are running the business and, 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 and do, making those like huge strategic and operational decisions to ensure that they have created an environment that doesn't foster a culture that allows burnout. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, there are many facets to it. I think also like luckily with, with, with a company like I'm running, I think uh, many of us are there because of kind of passion. And then, it becomes easier to to um, uh, stay away from burnout, I think, because you have you're taking more meaning out of what you do every day. But at the same time, again, we have to be mindful and 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 kind of ethical in terms of like making sure that the environment that you're in mm -hmm. supports that you can have a good work life balance and that you can prioritize, you know, family. Uh, friends, things in your like your daily life, right? Because that's it's important. And and the happier and healthier the people are that that uh, uh, show up for work, the, the you know the <laughs> yeah. more productive and the better right. they're gonna be at their jobs. Yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. Uh, so talking about raw fury a little bit more, you know, what kind of challenges are you guys currently running into? What kind of things are you working on or focusing on? Well, it's a, it's a quirky company, right? So, so I, I kind of, when I set it up, uh, I, I wanted to like, uh, and this is back in, in the, the start of 2015. And, and when I was kind of, uh, when I was sanity checking this idea of, of setting up this, this uh, uh, indie publisher focusing on premium games only, 
PC, mm-hmm. PC and console first and mobile kind of as a, as a secondary where it made sense. Uh, you know, a lot of the people I talked to, they thought it was absolutely mad because, you know, this is still <laughs> mo- mobile free to play is kind of, you know, where everything's happening and, uh, and they just couldn't understand the, the, the reasoning behind going into this kind of ass backwards direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turned out pretty great. And, and I've learned through my, uh, learned throughout my career that like, you know, as you, as you become, as you start your first company, you're going to get a lot of advice about, you know, what you should and shouldn't do. And you're going to be told, you know, and you can Google and, and, you know, you're supposed to, you're supposed to structure your company like this. And these, uh, these should be the processes that you run and your PowerPoint should be uh, like this. And it should have, you know, this font and in this letter size and yada, yada, yada. So you can, you can like checkbox and checklist everything and, 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 and kind of like, you know, do everything uh, correctly, quote unquote, and still end up failing miserably because I think, I think just as, 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 as uh, uh, if you play games, you, you start to be kind of, uh, I think critical in terms of like, you know, the paths you take, uh, the, the dialect choices you go for, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there's a similarity to that and, and like really starting to try to understand what, what is it you're going to build? What is it you're trying to build? And how do you really want it to function, right? So, so for instance, I think, uh, you know, we, 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 for instance, take nine to five for granted, right? So that's working hours. Yep. Uh, why? Why is nine to five working hours? It's because it's the uh, day shift of uh, three shifts on a conveyor belt, mm. uh, which incidentally used to be the most popular shift, right? Uh, yeah. So, so, so that's literally where that comes from. And, and there's so many things in how we set up and operate businesses uh, that, that, you know, we, we, we take for granted without really asking like, why, why are we doing this? So, so when I started Raw Fury, we, focused on like trying to change this. So, so for instance, uh, you know, the, the, the goal of the company, like one of them, like we have a, a number of like tenants that are just fundamental to how we do things. And the most important one is just like, you know, treat human beings like they're human beings. It sounds super simple, but you know, again and again, we, we fall into the trap of not doing that. Uh, and, and like, you know, we hide behind all sorts of platitudes or conventional wisdom or, or you know, this is how it's always been, uh, you know, phrases like, you know, it's nothing personal, it's only business or, or you know, the, the computer says no. Uh, <laughs> the, this is the process, I've ticked all the boxes, so I'm, I've done my, I've, you know, I've done my job, this is not my job. Uh, and, and so, so we, we actually hide behind a lot of these things instead of just treating each other like human beings and, and try to like, uh, come from that direction. And, and so from, from that tenant, for instance, we have, uh, you know, basically the, the work and especially within a creative industry and in a creative workplace, the work should mold around you. So, so we have basically, you know, you should be able to work from anywhere in any way you want. And at any time you want, as long as you get your shit done and you treat the people around you like they're people and, you know, you take, take their needs into account as well. 
and and then also we don't have like in Rough Fury, we don't have a management structure. There's no middle management or management. Like there's a lot of autonomy and people are self-guided. And I think that's probably the biggest structure is to kind of deprogram because we, we have a lot of experienced people that are awesome at their job, but, but it takes a while to kind of deprogram them or undo this, this uh, all these years of, of having worked in like, you know, the, the classic corporate structure with all the, yeah. the shit that that entails and like all the corporate politics and, and all this stuff. Right. And, and really get people to just believe that, yeah, we, this actually works and can work really well. Uh, yeah. And, and yes, you are able to trust the, the people around you to that. They have the same motivation as you. They, they are there because they're passionate about what they're doing. They want to do a good job. They want to, uh, you know, they want to be proud in their, take pride in their work, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. That that sounds like a great structure <laughs> and a, a great working environment for your employees. Does that mantra of treat people like human beings kind of translate into how you guys engage with your, you know, game communities? Yeah, into everything. It it, it, it translates into how we uh, uh, how we approach and talk to the developers, both that we sign with and and also developers that we don't sign with. Uh, you know, it, it should extend to everyone. And we like our partners, um, our players, each other. Uh, it has to be at the core of everything, right? Uh, and, and just, yeah, just just be human, man. Just be a human being. It's, uh, it's and it's, it's so funny that, that uh, you know, even, 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 uh, even something like, you know, grow up, act professional, right? These are these are signals about like you know kind of shedding your humanity a little bit, right? Stop being playful, uh, be professional. Basically means no. conform, conform, right? <laughs> Don't think outside the box. Just do do what do what you're uh, told. Do what you are told, and like here's a list of of check boxes, and that's your job, right? <laughs> uh, I. Uh... I'm kind of glad I've never followed that whole mantra of conforming and stuff. I, I tend to think outside the box and try to break all the rules. Um, I get scolded sometimes, but uh, usually, you know, I, I think the more that you're willing to push the boundaries of things and just have fun with everything that you're doing, life just seems so much better. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, also once in a while, you'll actually figure out that, hey, you know, this conventional wisdom thing, you know, for this particular, it actually makes sense. Mm. But at least you've then gone through that process of being critical and like trying to understand why do we do this, right? And, and, and like I said, you could come to the conclusion of like, because it's actually a good idea and it's based on these arguments. But, but like also quite often when you start being critical and asking these questions, you'll get to the conclusion of like, I don't know why we do this. It makes no sense. <laughs> so Jonas, tell me, so yeah. what is, what is your big dream for your career? Kind of what trace would you like to leave on the world? I don't know, man. I like, this is a topic that's, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, it could, it could become touchy because my views on this are very, uh, eccentric, I'd say. Um, essentially, my point of view is that if you pan out, like if you zoom out far enough, 
you know, we don't matter. Like nothing, nothing that we do matters. And you can, you can look at that from a very pessimistic angle and, 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 you know, think that is sad or somehow unfulfilling. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, even, even, you know, even the biggest names in our history uh, are like, uh, most of them are, are like uh, maybe, maybe, maybe a book about that person. Right. But it, it's going to be about their thoughts or philosophies or something they did an action. Right. It, it doesn't really tell you who they were. Right. Uh, so, you know, uh, after war, but Sansu, like, you know, people know that that's the author, but what do you know about his life? who this character was or, or like, you know, yeah. you, you could, you could take, take this as far as you, you want. Uh, but, I, and these are the extremes, right? These are the most famous blips in, of humanity, right? Those who made the biggest waves and impact. Uh, and, and you know what, the likelihood that you'll be one of those, or even like, you know, even someone like Steve Jobs, I'm not sure that that, that people 200 years from now will know who he was generally or, or, or care that much mm. uh, or, or, or Steve, you know, or, or Jeff Bezos or, or whoever. Right. Um, or hopefully not, hopefully people will not remember Donald Trump. Well, yes, they, <laughs> yes, they could uh, like from, from kind of a, some sort of a disaster perspective and a, and a huge warning story, but that's another neither here nor there but but the point is this right that that even the the people that have the biggest footprint right uh even those have like you know humanity has uh you know we'll forget them uh history will forget them uh and then ultimately as humanity goes away you know the world will forget them but the universe will still be here and the universe doesn't really care about us right it's uh, we have the natural laws that's it everything else we've made and we've made up, right? We came up with it, uh, you know, be it the monetary system, the borders between countries, uh, the political systems, uh, you know, morality, whatever you want to call it, whatever, whatever you want to find, right? Most of these are like our, they're, they're uh, lies that we've constructed and, and placed on top of the world and decided to kind of mass believe in. Um, but from this perspective is like, you know, if you if you have this perspective, which I do, uh, I can zoom in and I can say, well, what does matter to me is uh, genuinely being a nice person and being nice to the people that I care about, the people that evoke some sort of like feelings in me that that make me care for them and make me want to help them, and and you know do the best I can for 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 uh, the things that I care about, the people I care about. And the world that I care about in terms of like how that functions, and that becomes a very intrinsic motive instead of like an an extrinsic uh, an extrinsic one, right? So I'm not very driven about what other, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't, I'm, I don't care if I go down in the history books or not, or if I, if if you know someone I don't know knows my name somewhere, I, I don't really care about that. So mm. I'm more motivated by you know what what I personally care about and how, how I personally want to perceive and feel me yeah. as a person, if that makes sense. Totally. That was a long winded answer to a very simple <laughs> question, right? <laughs> I like it though. I like it. So, uh, switching gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about, you know, team members, you know, I imagine folks that are listening to this, not all of them will be in your role, but um, 
What are some common mistakes that you've seen team members make over the years? And, you know, do you have any tips on how to avoid making similar mistakes for folks that are in the gaming industry? Wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a tough one, first and foremost, because I think we, we, we've, we've run on, into some sort of a culture of fear, in a sense, where, where you, are, you are not really allowed to make mistakes or grow from them or change your mind or, or somehow become better. Uh, so mistakes are horrible and you're not supposed to do them. And like, if you do them, you should feel terrible for you know, 20 years. And I just think that's, again, coming from the human aspect, I think that's a wrong way to perceive the world because we are all inherently flawed in some way and we're human and we will make mistakes. Uh, the most important thing I, I think is how you deal with them. And I think that that is where the real lesson is and, and what people should focus on is how do you deal with it when you make a mistake or when you do something wrong, when you say something wrong, when you behave in a way that's, you know, makes you or others around you feel bad, right? How do you deal with that? Uh, what, what is your reaction? And, and my personal point of view is, is uh, that this is where self-accountability comes in. And there's a lot of... Uh, you can, you know, I, I, I urge people to like really get into stoicism. Uh, I urge them to read as much as they can and, and, and adopt, adopt self-accountability. Uh, and and, and uh, um, there is also like, uh, um, yeah, there's a lot of, lo a lot of good things in philosophy that I, I point to and, and, uh, and, and, Radical self-accountability is also realizing that, you know, we've, we, we look at things wrong. So, for instance, we, we have this perceived notion that, you know, to be a strong person, like you never make mistakes or admit to them and, and you just plow through and you don't need to, you need, no, don't need anyone, anybody's help and, and, and you become, become this like indispensable person, right? Well, it turns out the most valuable people in, in, in any business are those that empower others, that share knowledge freely, that help others become better, uh, that raise their hand when they, when they can't do something on their own and say, please, can someone help me? That raise their hand when they've made a mistake and say, uh, you know, I've realized that I did this and it, it was, you know, it's not working, but... Uh, you know, I would love to get some ideas and help in fixing it and, and, and kind of course correct. Uh, those, that takes strength. Admitting your mistakes and changing your mind and, 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 and kind of, you know, being, uh, practicing that sort of humility and, and, and ability to really do it, right? Not pay it lip service, but really do it. That takes strength of character. And I think that is what people should focus on. Like, how do you deal with it when you do something wrong, make a mistake? How do you deal? How do you, how do you play those cards? And, and we, we need to get back to a, a point where it's okay for two people not to, for instance, share the same opinion on something, have a conversation 
and and not agree. And then maybe years later, one of them will raise their hand and go like, you know what? I've come to see that you were right and I was wrong and I've changed my mind. And like, I'm now trying to like, you know, become a, a, a better person because of it, right? We, we need that leeway. People need to be able to feel that it is okay to grow and it's okay to take missteps and that you have, if you, if you respond correctly, that you have the chance to learn from your mistakes. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. I think, um, and, and something you were saying about, you know, having the mindset that, oh, I can do everything myself. Um, I've actually seen, you know, accountability partners be so helpful, both in like business and personal lives, but even as something as simple as like going to the gym. Um, you know, if you know that your buddy is going to be waiting for you at the gym at 6 a.m., you're a lot more likely to get out of bed and actually make it to the gym rather than having to disappoint them and be like, oh, you know, I, I didn't make it today. Um, I think coming together and working as humans on things uh, just makes us all more effective. Um, another thing you said that was uh, interesting to me, uh, I've really been digging into uh, just human psychology lately. Uh, a couple of books I've been reading is like uh, Thinking Fast and Slow and Influence mm -hmm. by Robert D. Cialdini. Um, but I remember in one of them, I was reading about the concept of grit um, mm -hmm. and how grit is one of the best predictors of long-term success. There was a study done on kids that were, I think like nine or 10 years old and they put them in a room yeah. and they put a, a candy bar in front of them. And they said, you know, okay, if you wait 15 minutes without eating this, you know, you'll get three candy bars. Uh, but at any point in time, you can just pick it up and eat it and you'll be fine. And some of the kids would, you know, eat the candy bar, or give up partway through, but the kids that would stick it out waiting for the, the bigger reward at the end. Um, they followed those kids then through like high school and college and stuff and their GPAs were higher and everything else was higher. And it seemed like that grit, the willingness to, you know, suffer through a little pain now for like a better reward at the end, uh, seemed to be this, you know, predictor. Um, and so I, I think it's something that, all of us should be working towards how do we cultivate that concept of grit in ourselves? Because I think it'll just make us better in everything that we do. If we're willing to, you know, make a sacrifice now, push through something to get towards some goal at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I totally get you. And I remember this experiment and, and, and I read about it. Uh, it does touch on like there, 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 there are a few concepts here uh, because you need some, you, you need to apply a little critical thinking as well to this, because I would say, you know, on the, on the, on the, you know, some, every, everything, everything that we, you know, most things have a duality to them. Right. And, and this mm -hmm. certainly does. Right. And, and, and grit should not be, um, thought of as as uh, something to be applied to, for instance, uh, you, you know, the, I think man's greatest lie to himself, and probably the, the one of the most evil lies to himself, is the procrastination of of happiness. Uh, you know, like, and I apologize for for uh, everyone that's listening to this that are uh, religious. I'm not. Uh, 
Uh, and I, I, I do have, you know, people around me that are deeply religious and I, I respect that, that uh, tremendously and, and, you know, to each their own, basically. I think it should be the motto for everything. Like, you know, as long as you're not hurting anyone else, you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want. Um, but, 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 you know, in, in religion, we have, the, we have the construct of heaven, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. suffer now to get into heaven. Then that turned into like in the, the, after the Enlightenment and the, the rise of, of the Industrial Age, it turned into the golden years, right? So suffer your, your boring, horrible job right now uh, because when you're 65, life is going to get be great. It's going to be so much fun. So basically, you know, waste your youth, your best years. Uh, yeah. You know, don't take any chances. Don't risk anything because everything's going to be perfect when you're 65. Um, <laughs> and, and that should not be, uh, that should not be like, uh, uh, I, I think like it shouldn't be, be placed in the same category as, as like grit is not, grit can get you there, right? Yep. If you if if that becomes your displacement, right, or what your end goal, then you can get there with grit, but you might not be very happy with <laughs> with what you know what what's at the end of that road. Um, so I think you need to apply a little bit of critical thinking as well to it. Uh, but at the core of having grit, I think is the ability that I've some sometimes just called you know, the ability of, of, of displacing your ego. Mm. And what I mean by that is that, you know, all of us have ego and, and, and we attach our ego to like, you know, different things and all the time, right? So, so you need to be able to kind of displace your ego in a way of, of re- realizing that, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be, I, I don't need to be the one that, that, shouts out at this meeting because that idea is mine or I want to, I want everybody to know that I am the best at this and that in the house. Right. I'm going to place my ego on the end result of like, if we manage to get through this together, if I can help, you know, uh, the entire team to get this, achieve this together, that's the big reward. So I'm going to, I'm going to displace my ego to that extent, to, to that end. Right. Yeah, uh, and, and and that's kind of like also the thing with the candy bars, right? It's kind of the the realization of like, yeah, I could eat this now and be happy, but you know what? I could also like uh, wait fifteen minutes, get the three, and sell two to Peter and be happy still. <laughs> uh, no, but 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 also like you know, and then it's there's a whole other aspect of like you know how we think about risk. Uh, most people think it's very risky to like. Uh, go into setting up a new business and, and or following your or like setting up a business plan, trying to learn new things mm-hmm. and adopt and like. But the the real reality is like a lot of people, you know, drive to work every day, even long distances, and that's pretty dangerous too. Right. Uh, but we don't think about it. And, and actually, like if you want to compare the factors, one is you're risking life and limb, and the other you're risking your reputation and money. Uh, and and who cares about that? And I think. Uh, the, the the core is also like getting to a point of not being driven by extrinsic motivators, you know, yeah. drive yourself. Right. Uh, and, and you need to figure out a way to kind of turn that. So for instance, you know, with the, 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 um, the, the gym buddy, right. You, you need to figure out a way where, where 
it actually becomes your intrinsic drive of like, you know, I'm doing this for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and that is my, my, my motor. Like that is what drives me. Uh, because if you can't do that at some point, right. It's not going to last. <laughs> yep. Totally agree. <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, we're, we're getting close to time here, but I've got a few more questions that I'd love to go over with you. Um, sure. The first one, uh, who inspires you? What books, newsletters, podcasts, courses, what should folks be following or, or listening to to you know, continue to improve their lives, their well-being, their careers in gaming? Well, I, 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 think, I, I think first, lesson is like, you know, don't, don't put, put other people on pedestals. I mean, we're all human beings, right? Every, like I said earlier, everybody has their flaws, their good sides and their bad sides. So, so, you know, don't, don't take other people's uh, or, or, or don't create heroes out of other people. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you know, at least that's in my character. Like I, 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 I love gathering this knowledge, useless facts even. You know, I read about like one or, or now I listen to, I've, I've turned like turned to audiobooks, but I listen to about a, one book a week on average and everything from like sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, uh, autobiographies, you know, anything really, right? So, so like uh, from any category and I switch constantly between them. Uh, <laughs> And and I you know the, I do the same with with uh, uh, you know I listen to a lot of podcasts I look at a lot of like I watch a lot of TV documentaries like mm-hmm. all of this is is input um, uh, but ultimately you have to do the same thing as 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 I spoke about earlier you have to also put your own critical lens against it and think about who am I and how do I want to feel what is it that I want to achieve. And, and what tools can I find out there that can help me? Uh, so, you know, if I if I name um, three books that that I think are inspiring uh, from from kind of that per, like let's say self discovery perspective or, or whatever, there's a book called The Four Agreements that is absolutely amazing, uh, and I'd recommend as a read for everyone. There is. Um, uh, I would say meditations by, by Marcus Aurelius, uh, which is an incredible insight into like, uh, here you have the most powerful man in the world, uh, writing down his journals and, and it's just incredibly human and humble and, and like beautiful to see this man that could have essentially like had, you know, literally a walking God. And he's struggling with the same humanity and the same questions as, as everybody is even today, right? Um, and, and, and there's a reason why this is kind of like one of the fundamental um, uh, or, or, you know, if, if you want to practice stoicism, that's a, kind of a given that you should, should read that book. Uh, and then uh, um, self-accountability. I think it's called... Uh, self-accountability 2.0 or something like that. It's kind of like a workbook, but it's good. Uh, it, it's a really practical guide of like how you can use uh, well-proven psychological like methods to train yourself in, in practicing self-accountability. 
and, and it's a, it's a really good book. Outside of that, you know, read read a lot of Stephen King. He's one of the best authors in the of this generation. Read all the classics. You know, understand all the metaphors. Think about this constantly and, and see if it inspires you in some way. Well, that, that's really great. We'll we'll definitely get links to all those books uh, in the podcast episode. Um, last question here. Um, it's obligatory, obligatory as be, as we are on mastering retention. But um, what is one tip you would have for increasing player retention? Well, think about it like think about it like this, right? Um, so what is what is retention? What is it? Uh, if you if you would answer that question for me, like what what is it in your mind as as a, a player of games? Like what is retention? I would say it's something along the lines of uh, keeping me engaged and retained, and that fact that the game is is fun enough that I want to come back and play it tomorrow or the fact that I'm sitting right. here at work and I'm planning, Oh, you know, once I get home today, I'm going to hop right in and I'm going to do this quest right. or, or this thing or whatever. Um, so, you know, gearing up that excitement and engagement for me to get back to the game. Right. Uh, and would you agree or disagree that retention has nothing to do with the business model behind the game? I think I would generally agree with that. I mean, I think, I think retention is core to the business model because if you don't have players coming back, um, you can't really ever monetize them again. Now that can vary a little bit with like the premium game of, Oh, you, you know, got them to purchase it. But even with premium games, I would argue that retention is key there because uh, if someone truly loves a game and they're playing it all the time, they're probably going to tell their friends about it or, you know, come back to it later and, and enjoy it again, or maybe purchase your next game. Um, so I, I would argue that retention is important and core for, you know, every aspect of the business. Right. But then you, you so, so there are, there are two branches from, from this, that is that, uh, wouldn't you agree then that the business model is a derivative from retention or, or, something that you can look at as a derivative from having retention in your game. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, and the, the other question is, uh, would you agree that, that retention is also a very fleeting concept because retention for a four hour story driven game means a very different thing than retention for uh, a free to play MMO. Yeah, that that's true. I think it kind of depends on how you do the story driven. Like, is there truly only one story or are there different aspects to it? You know, adding some replayability where things can be different. I don't know if it's, you know, simply a, you know, single developer or very small team, you know, one kind of line story, but it's very beautifully written and stuff. Um, yeah, maybe retention. It is only like a one time, you know, playthrough, but um yeah, know. but then the metric becomes probably re good retention is how many people start the story and finish, finish it, right? It, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the metric of retention, which is also going to drive, like, you know, probably going to be an, a good indicator of, like, will you tell your friends? Uh, will right. you rate the game highly, <laughs> et cetera? 
Yeah. Uh, no, the the reason I'm I'm kind of pointing to this is is uh, retention has become a word that's very much associated with free to play uh, and mobile. But but you know it's it's a concept that and uh, you know, it, it applies in a in a much wider way to games. And and so for instance, you can look at single player games or predominantly single player games like like um, let's say Crusader Kings. <clears throat> that that is from Paradox and it has incredible retention. People, it's complex, but people that get into the game, they play it for hundreds of hours, even thousands of hours. Civilization, the whole series, you know, huge <laughs> retention, right? Yep. But it's monetized differently. It's thought about differently. And in terms of, of, of these two games, you know, it's in terms of sequels, right? Yeah, that you come back to and you buy again, or it's uh, at this day and age uh, after after like uh, we became more and more like uh, digital as an industry, it's in the form of DLCs or yep. or like added content, right? Uh, but the 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 core driver underneath that is retention, right? It, it is that you are still interested and you want to come back and you're playing these games. So, so it, it uh, so I I think that. Uh, we have, as an industry, we tied retention too much uh, to a particular business model or monetization model, which is free to play. And I yep. think we should really start to focus on again, like what is retention? And retention is uh, uh, creating an experience that means enough to you as a player that it creates this mind bug, right? You want to return. You are thinking about the next mission or the next strategy you're going to apply. You get attached to the, your characters or your like, you know, whatever you're building up in the game, your nation, your civilization, right, uh, or your little Sims village, um, and and that is the driver of retention. And I think that when we look at retention in terms of analytics and data. That's a great refinement tool. Uh, you know, you can use that to refine things, but but very seldomly can you use that to 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 be the catalyst of retention, like the actual interesting thing that gets people to come back and again and again and again and want to play again and again and again. <laughs> yeah, I always talk about at least within the context of free to play mobile or you know free to play console. Um, you know, what is that thing that the player does that is actually fun enough to get them to come back? Because usually people that, you know, churn in the game, you know, maybe they didn't get to the point where you could actually play with friends and that's what makes the game fun. And so, you know, you can use data to find those things, but if you don't have that core piece that actually makes the game, you know, fun and enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think also like we 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 over we overextend on the whole fun factor because you know we we have a game called Kingdom and it's in, incredibly popular and and you know it certainly has a lot of retention and and you know we we built a franchise out of that game, uh, uh, but it's incredibly difficult uh, and it's that on purpose and it's like you have to you have to work for like getting rewarded, right? And that's going to, you know, like, there's grinding in it. You're going to have to play again and again and again to figure out the game and mm -hmm. start to understand it, right? And there's a certain pleasure. We take pleasure in that as well. And that 
that comes back to what we were talking about earlier, like that that grit, that that feeling, that feeling of success, right? When you have to, when you worked for something that you wanted, something that you wanted to achieve, and you get there, and it's it's and and if it's as good as you thought it was, right? Ah, oh, that moment, right? Ah, oh, and oh, that yeah. will that will create retention. That means you will you will keep going, right? So so grinding, as it's often called. <laughs> shouldn't be overlooked and grinding isn't fun but it becomes a part of this moment of oh i got through it i battled through it i won and and you know it's it's funny that there there was a study done um uh a long time ago i need to find it again but basically it was like uh you know it was a a simple it's a subjective study but simple enough uh like people over i think 70 were asked you know what? What's the what's the memory that you are the, like the most proudest of in your life, right? And you know you had a lot of the obvious answers, like you know my kids when they were born, et cetera, et cetera. But yep. then you know when when people when they started to like deep dive into and like you know if you discard like when you got married or like the when your kids were born, like what are the proudest moments? And usually it was something where people had to like had overcome some, uh, like, mm. uh, uh, you know, had overcome something in their life, uh, something that, that, that had been hard and had been, you know, even horrible in some cases, but they survived, they got through it. And, mm. and you know, they came out the other end knowing who they were, knowing their strengths. I can do this. I am, I am like, uh, <laughs> and it's, again, it's that moment. It's that awe moment. It's a bittersweet moment of like I've worked for this and I've earned this, and and that's it's it's so that, true. That I actually uh, have complained to people and friends of late that so many games are I don't know they're they're almost designed for I don't know if it's this new generation of like instant gratification or whatnot. But you know, take for example the very first Pokemon, Pokemon Blue and Red that came out. You know, I, I would play that on the bus, age myself a little bit. Um, but that game was hard and you had to work for stuff. Like to get a, a bicycle in there, you had to go through all sorts of like hoops and do all these, you know, quests and chores and things. And you yep. finally got a bike and it was super rewarding. And so uh, I, I got a Nintendo Switch, uh, you know, when they came out. Um, and so I was excited. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll play Pokemon again because I haven't really played, you know, in, in, the, in between. And so, you know, I'm playing Pokemon and well, for one, I didn't lose a single battle in the entire playthrough. I, I just oh. trounced everyone, um, which I mean, was kind of fun. Like, I don't really like losing, but like, I didn't have to like go back and really work for it and have that feeling of success. But like, in terms of like the bike, you know, you're, you're going along through town and then somebody comes up and they just give you the bike and then you can use it. And then, you know, later on, they just come up and they give you like some uh, wheels for like riding your bike on the water and stuff too. And like all this stuff just was kind of just given to you. Like you didn't actually have to work for it. And it was so deflating and not purposeful and not as rewarding as actually having to work for it. So I totally get exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, don't get me wrong. I think there's room for both, but, but, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't just go for one of those things, right? You, I think we need both games that are more like kind of pure entertainment distracting like you can <laughs> you can play them anywhere and you know 
take, you know, pick up and play casual, easy. And, and I think they serve a purpose. I think they're good. They're, they're escapism in their purest form. But we also, we can't forget that, the, the, like, at least for me, the games that have, like, that I remember in my life, they had some sort of a, a, an awe moment, right? Or an aha moment, or, or uh, in terms of, like, it's, it's a cliche at this point, but Seattle of the Colossus, uh, realizing, getting slowly realizing who you are in the game and what you're doing, and and having an oh moment, <laughs> which uh, which is also very powerful. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, Jonas, this has been uh, fantastic uh, chatting with you today. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, is there a good way for them to do that? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's actually super easy. They can find me on on uh, uh, Twitter, uh, uh, J Antonson at uh, you know at J Antonson. Um, I'm I'm easily accessible through uh, email. It's Jonas Atrofuri. So so yeah, it's uh, I'm not I'm not a hard. If you wanna if you wanna <laughs> catch me, you'll find me. The only place you won't find me probably is is Facebook. Uh, it's, uh, I've, uh, I, I, yeah, I cut that out. That's good. Very good. I, I generally cut that out too. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, well, I really appreciate you taking the time today and, uh, look forward to continue to have more conversations in the future. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, uh, I, this was fun and I, I hope it, uh, did some good. We'll see. <laughs> or maybe you'll just get, maybe you'll just get a, uh, a slew of angry emails. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Love it. All right. Bye now. Bye.